Good morning, everyone. Welcome to uh, Church in the Valley. Uh, We're glad that you guys are here on this uh, Palm Sunday. Uh, As Ryan mentioned, next week uh, is Easter, and we want to welcome all of you back to attend uh, with us. Uh, Easter is a special time uh, for Church in the Valley and churches really across the world as we celebrate really the sacrifice that Jesus made on the Friday and then his resurrection on the Sunday that we'll celebrate. And so we invite you back. It's going to be a lot of fun. But behind all that, the reason we do that is it's really the best news in the world that we follow Jesus who died for us but was not conquered by death. In fact, he conquered death by rising again. And so we want to invite you back, not just for the activities, but for the fact that it's Easter and that really is uh, the cause to celebrate. And so just wanted to let you know about that. We do have extra flyers out in the lobby. If you'd like to invite more people, then if you just got the one and you'd like to hand those out, uh, please feel free to pick those up on your way out as well. Uh, We're wrapping up the series today called The Bible Unabridged. And the last few weeks we've been looking at how uh, the Bible is actually a guidebook uh, that helps us with all of life. Uh, it's not necessarily a self-help book, but it actually is a life book that allows us to kind of know what life should look like, not just as a kind of observation piece, but something that actually we can live by, that we can base our life on, and that can actually change us uh, from the inside out. And so if you've not been here the rest of the weeks, I wanted to kick off today by just uh, summarizing Uh, where we've been headed the last few weeks. And so we kicked off uh, the first week of the series talking about revealed and how God himself has revealed himself through the scriptures and that he is the source of the Bible. It's not something that man uh, came up with. It's not something that any government established, but it was from he himself. And since he's the source of the Bible, uh, we can trust the Bible. We then talked about a few weeks ago, clarity and Uh, How the Bible, as we actually get a firm grip on it and we actually know how to understand it and live it out, it it provides clarity for how life should work and what to do in in circumstances that may or beyond us and how we can get help beyond ourselves. Uh, Last week, uh, tied to that, we talked about the expert and how really with the Bible, we have expert help from God and that he is the authority that really can trump all authorities as we put our trust in him. And throughout this series, we've been talking about the importance of uh, many times when you read a book or you read a story, you approach something, you can approach it like a critic, you're evaluating. And while that's true, you, you read the Bible and it kind of impacts you in different ways. Ultimately, the scriptures are here and they actually judge us. We don't judge it. And that's really how the life and blessing flows as we allow the Bible to show us the categories of life, Uh, what reality is, how life is meant to be lived, how life works. As we kind of put ourselves under the scriptures, that's really where blessing comes as we allow God, the expert to, to guide us in his authority. And today we're wrapping up talking about everyday instruction. And that's really more of how the Bible can be used to really provide help for us. And we're going to look at actually how to approach a passage of scripture to pull the most out of it. And if you're like me, you may approach the Bible sometimes. And I was talking last week about how sometimes you read the Bible like you may read a textbook in school. I don't know if you can think back to maybe the hardest subject you ever had in school. Uh, It might be science, might be math, maybe the novel that you had to read for your English class. But anytime you read a book that's academic, a lot of times you read the words on the page 
and you read chapters and you're turning the pages and it's like, okay, I finished that reading and you close the book and there's this part of you which you, you look and you say, I have no idea what I just read. Do you, you ever done that? It's amazing. Your, your eyes move, your hands turn, you're getting prog- you like, you're now in the middle of the book and then you get to the end of the book and you say, I have no idea what that was about. I'm, I'm a pro at that. And the same can happen as we approach the Bible. It can be something that we can read and we're reading the words and we're turning the pages, but it's not really getting into our head. There's something that we're, we're, we're just lacking. And so today we're going to look at questions to ask that can help us actually gain understanding to help us ultimately apply what the Bible can instruct us to do. And so it's this everyday instruction that we can, we can live by. I want to talk about a passage to launch off that really kind of shows the importance of the scriptures. And you may have heard it before, you may not, but it really gives really an aerial map of the training regimen that the Bible can provide. And this gives you this picture of the Bible isn't just a book that you can just skim and put away. It's actually something that as you give it time, it's like trains you. It, It puts you into a certain type of shape. It gets you ready for life and the things that occur and the things that you, you experience. And so God gave us the Bible to instruct us in every aspect. And this scripture right here explains why this is so. This is from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped, for every good work. Again, there's this idea that the scriptures are from God. He has breathed them out to us. He is the source. And then the scripture goes on to describe some key ways that it helps us. And if you look, note at the end of the, the passage, it says that these will allow you to be complete and equipped for every good work. And so I just want to briefly walk through, I guess, the training regiment that the scriptures provide. The first is it provides teaching. It actually teaches you and it shows you the path to walk on. So as you read the scriptures and it shows you something about how life works or an attitude you should have or, or something that you should do or something that you shouldn't say and maybe something that you should say, it's giving you here is the path you need to walk, walk on and you need to do it. That's the teaching of the scriptures. These are the, the instructions that you have that you think, wow, that. That's something different. I haven't seen it that way. And you begin walking on the path. It also provides reproof, which is showing us where we have gotten off the path. If you've ever read the scriptures and it talks to you about patience that you should have or your attitude should be like that of Christ Jesus, who considered himself nothing. It's this idea of you need to be humble. You need to put others above yourself. If you ever read the Bible and you get that and you think, oh, Man, I do not do that. Oftentimes, if somebody cuts in front of me in line, I just want to cut them back off or on the freeway. And you just find, well, as you read the scriptures, you get a different picture. And sometimes you you feel like this. Oh, man, it's showing me a different way. It's showing you you've gotten off the path. And that's what reproof is. The second or the third is correction. And this is how do you get on the right path? How do you get back on track? And so maybe... You've, you've read the scripture and you see, well, patience is a, is a key attitude in the Bible. You know, I really battle patience. And, you know, this morning my kid was asking me something and I just kind of blew up at them. And so you read the Bible and you realize, you know what, I, I got off track. Well, correction is, you know, you got off track 
you said something that was impatient. You said something that was rude. You may have said something that was harsh. And the Bible says, you know, you need to make that right. You need to clear that up. That's, that's correction. It's this idea of, I got off the path. I know I'm off the path. How do I get back on? Well, I need to make it right. And that's how the Bible corrects you. That's how it adjusts and detours your way, detours your journey. And the, the fourth thing it does that you see in the scripture is that it actually provides training in righteousness. And this is, how do you stay on the right path? How do you make sure you don't keep blowing past the guardrails? And so you're off-roading. How do you make sure that you're on the smooth way of life that God wants you to be on? And so all of those, the teaching, the reproof, the correction, and the training in righteousness, this is God's way of saying, if you live by my book, if you live by my words, and what I've said is important, you're going to actually be a part of a training regiment that will help you in all of your life. And it's this idea of you're, you're going to be complete, which is like you're going to be in tip-top shape. You're ready for whatever life gives you. You're, you're equipped. You can handle it. Years ago, I was a substitute teacher and I used to love subbing for PE because, you know, you just get to go outside and you run around with the kids and it's great. Well, I had one assignment where I was subbing for a high school class. And so like the game was up, you know, usually with the littler kids, you know, you do a little game and you can outrun them and it's fun and you know, you kind of feel superior in your athletic ability. If you're like me, you need to kind of compare yourself to fifth graders. Okay. But I was in high school and we had to run a mile and there were some guys in the class. They were goofing off. They were kind of thinking that this, what they were not going to take this seriously. Well, you know what? I was a PE sub that I was not going to let them get away with that. And so I, I made a wager. I said, Hey, if I beat you in the mile, you have to run another mile. And so I start jogging and, and I'm like, I'm, I'm lapping the guys and I'm feeling really good about myself. And lap two goes and I'm just running and they're way behind me. I'm like, man, I don't know if they realize like I am dead serious. They are going to have to run another mile. So lap two goes and I go on lap three. And all of a sudden, if you picture that yellow track right there, that was me. But all of a sudden, like my legs start feeling a little heavier, like someone poured concrete in them. And if you ever run, that's not a good thing. And I start to slow and all of a sudden they start to catch me. And so I, I, I start in a full on sprint. And I'm running as fast as I can for that last lap. All of a sudden, everyone, the whole entire P class, passes me. And I, I get the fish like, good job, guys. Way to go. And I'm about to throw up. And I, I kid you not, I realized at that point that I was, I was the bum. I was the foolish one that thought I could keep up with high school students. And so, good job, guys. And I begin to break out in cold sweats. And I... I I actually have to go to the restroom, get paper towel. And I'm like having a little shower in the bathroom because I'm just so out of my mix. And that's the picture here is I was so ill-equipped to run a mile that day. I had no training regimen. It was like, I'm just going to run as fast as I can to prove a point. Note to self, don't ever do that again. And I learned a lesson that day, which is I can't accomplish something that I'm not prepared to do. And so now it's you need to run a lap. And you just need to do it by this time. And if you don't, you need to do it again. I'm not going to be the gauge. I'm going to use the clock. That's a better way of doing it. But the same is true with the scriptures. There's this idea of we, we can see the Bible and we can hear the Bible. And we know it has some good ideas. But oftentimes we approach it like, you know what? I'm just going to try to figure things out myself. I'm going to have my own training regimen. I know I need to get into it daily, but maybe I'm just going to listen to it only at church. Or maybe I'm only going to listen to something on the radio that is churchy. 
But what you find is there's this idea when you get into it, it actually will prepare you to handle the races of life. The things that you have to have endurance for. Trouble with, with your, your family, trouble at work. Problems that you, you just you don't know how to get out of conflict that happens. Just times where you have more than you can handle, it seems. There's pressure, there's stress. What tends to happen is it's at those times that we realize that we're ill-equipped. We can't handle it. We feel ourselves crumbling. And what God is saying through the scriptures here is you will get the strength you need so you can withstand the pressure. But you have to soak it in. You have to get into it. You have to allow it to train you and God train you through it. And as you do that, you, you can last and you won't fail. You'll actually finish the race. And so I want to just encourage you in that category of this is something that this provides the training for your life. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how to make that happen. But like anything, just like trying to work out or just trying to beat high schoolers in a mile run, there's certain obstacles. And I just want to go over some of these. This isn't to kind of have you raise your hands and everyone feel bad about themselves, but these obstacles really are real. And if you know the obstacles that prevent you from getting into the Bible, that can help you identify, okay, what, what can I do to overcome these obstacles? So, so here are a few of them. The first is time. If you don't read the Bible, I guarantee you a lot of it is because you don't think you have the time to read the Bible. You wake up in the morning, you've got to rush to eat breakfast, you're rushing to get to work, you get home from work, the kids have sports, you're rushing to do dinner, you're rushing to get everything ready for the next day, and then you go to bed and there's, this, there's, there's no idea of time. That's a common obstacle. And so the key in anyone trying to get a handle and a grip on the scriptures is you have to make the time. You have to find out where it fits. Another obstacle is laziness. You may have good intentions to work out and you set your alarm. And the same is true spiritually. You may need to set your alarm to actually get up out of bed. Or you may need to go to bed a little bit earlier at night to take the time to read the Bible. But if you're like me, anytime that alarm goes off, you have a choice. And it's about a five-second choice. In those five seconds, five, four, am I going to get up? Three, two, I don't know if I'm going to get up. One, I'm not going to get up. Right? It's about five seconds. The thing is, you have to realize that, that laziness doesn't help you get trained for life. The Bible just doesn't get in there because it's sitting by your bed. You actually have to open it and, and read it. A third obstacle is frustration or confusion. And this is part of why we wanted to do this series. If you've ever read the Bible and you've kind of read some parts and you're like, I don't know how to pronounce those names I don't know all about those tribes in Israel, and I don't know about this ancient stuff that's happening, and it feels like it's confusing. What we've tried to do in the series is give you some tools that help you understand it. But frustration and confusion, that, that is a big obstacle, because no one wants to do something that doesn't make sense. And so part of what you have to do is, if you actually want to get into the Bible, you have to work to do it. You actually have to take some time to figure it out. And the church is here to provide you with the tools and the people to help you do that. The last thing, common obstacle, is, is sin or rebellion. If you have young kids, sometimes you know your child is up to no good when you call their name and you, you don't hear anything. And you call their name and all of a sudden it's dead silent. And you can't see them. In the life of a parent, if you can't see your kid and you can't hear your kid, there's two things that go through your mind. 
One, uh-oh, I hope they're still in the house. Two, if they are in the house, what have they done? And many times, we are the same way. When toddlers do something wrong, they think, I've got to get out of here. I've got to flee the scene of the crime. I've got to go into my room. I'm going to play with my toys that I never play with, and I'm going to actually clean my room so no one expects anything. And the same is true for us. We tend to make mistakes. We tend to get off track. And the last thing we want to do is approach God and read the scriptures. Because if it's true that it provides correction and reproof, there's a part of us that, but I, I really want to do this. I really want to hold on to this sin. I really want to hold on to my own way. And so that is a, an obstacle that can get us again and again. Many times when I've blown it, the last thing I want to do is read the scriptures. Why? Because I'm going to have a full picture of who I am. I'm going to have a full kind of verdict on, man, I blew it. This is why I blew it. This is how I blew it. Here's what I need to do to make it right. But also, as you read the scriptures, you find that there's hope for you. You're not condemned. God has provided grace through Jesus. And so the very thing that kind of causes you to, to distance yourself from the scriptures, as you dig into the scriptures, it actually becomes the hope that helps you. So that's a battle you have to you know, consistently push through. And so I just, in, in your head, I just want you to think, out of those four, this is for your own notes, your own understanding, which is the one that's the biggest obstacle for you? And one thing you can do today is as you identify which obstacle, just think through what, what's one thing that you could do to overcome that? It might be to talk to somebody, it might be to read a book, maybe it's one of the things that we've suggested. It may just, you need to pray. I don't know what it is for you, but just think through that because that will help you gain the traction you need. So I want to I kind of turn the corner, talking about the obstacles, to now talking about, well, once we do get into the Bible and we take the time to do it and we push through and we really try, wherever we're at, to begin to dig in, how can we gain the most from it? And so I want to talk through three questions that we can ask to get the most out of a Bible passage. Now, these are not the only questions. These are like broad stroke questions that can get you started. But here they are. The first one is, what does it say? Okay. What does the Bible say? So say you're reading a passage and I, I, I would just encourage you, if you've not gotten into the Bible much, don't focus on reading a whole book in one setting, maybe not even a whole chapter. Maybe you just need to read like four to five verses at one time, but ask yourself, what does it say? And just observe, make notes of, of what stands out. Second question, interpretation. What does it mean? Now, I was always the type of student back to the classroom where I was really good at knowing what it said or knowing what my teacher said or knowing what the textbook was saying. But when it came to what does it mean, I would always come up with three words. I don't know. I know what you said, but I don't know what it means. And the same can happen in the Bible. We can read it, but we may not actually know what it means. So here you actually have to read for context what's what's happening in this passage so what's happening before it what's happening after it what's the head header saying in the bible that you're reading um what's the purpose behind it uh, you're trying to kind of dig in a little bit deeper than just the words on the page that's interpretation and then the third question is related to application what am i going to do about it well if you're not sure what it meant and you're not sure what it said, it's very difficult to know what to do. 
So oftentimes, the more vague you are in observation and the more vague you are in interpretation, your application becomes really easy. What are you going to do? I don't know. But if you actually dig in and you try to really read it, understand what's going on, the application comes out. It kind of jumps out of you. And this is where I just encourage all of you, ask God for help. You may not even you know, think that the Bible is completely reliable or trustworthy. But I encourage you, no matter where you are, whether you've read it for a long time or you've just barely begun to read it, ask God to show you something as you read it. That's all you could say. God, help me to learn something from these words I'm about to read. And see. See if you learn anything. See if, if anything happens. So the application, this is really the, the end goal. This is where the blessing comes those who do what the Bible says, those who live out the principles, those who choose the attitudes, those who take the actions that are commended. And this is really flowing from the idea of blessed are those who are careful to do according to all that is written. If you're careful to do what God says and apply it, you're actually blessed. And so I want to look at a passage today, and this is going to feel a little bit different because we don't usually kind of go over how to study the Bible. We want to just take the time to show you here. Here's how you could do it in a specific passage. And so if you're following along on the the handout, you'll see on the back page, there's a passage of scripture. You can also read it on here once I get started, but we're just going to read quite a few verses and ask those three questions. Now, again, this is broad stroke. This isn't meant to kind of take all of the theology that could be applied to this, take all of the historical context, take all of the culture and just bring it down. We don't have time for that, for that. but it's really like big picture. How could you begin to ask those three questions? So a little bit of the context, which could help you. And if you have like a study Bible or if you go online, you can find some of this stuff out. But this passage of scripture is in the book of Philippians. And Paul wrote this letter from prison in Rome. Well, that helps you. If you know that a letter was written in prison versus somebody who's free, you have a, a different context for what's going on in their life. Maybe the stress that they're under, maybe the things that are really important to them. When you're in prison, the things that are really important to you begin rising to the surface. So that's an important context, which will help you in your observation. Okay. Uh, he's, he's in prison for being a missionary, for trying to spread the news of Jesus. Uh, he's writing this church to a church in Philippi, which is a city in Greece, and he started several churches. And so he's basically persecuted, trying to encourage this church that he started. And it's really like a thank you letter to this church. So it's very interesting. He's in prison. He's probably in dire times, but there's a kind of an attitude of thankfulness in it. And so let's read it and kind of see what comes out. This is Philippians 2, 19 through 30. This is what Paul says. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Verse 25. I thought necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. If you ever read scripture and you see a word like Epaphroditus and you don't know it, you just say the E person. Or you just, you know, make your own E dog. Okay? If you don't know how to say it, don't let that 
discourage you, just you sound it out. I do it all the time. I try not to do it up here, although I do that as well. And your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all, and he has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also. Lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. At first glance, you may read this and think like, okay, this feels like a private letter. Somebody's written to somebody else and I'm just kind of eavesdropping into it. What's kind of true. There's this pool of relationships that's going on. There's history that these people have. And we're just kind of launching it as we read it. And we think, wow, there's some stuff going on. And so the first question, this idea of observation, what, what does it say? Key question, what, what does it say? Well, there's three things that, as I took the time to do this, that kind of came to the surface. The first is, Paul has a warm relationship with the Philippian church. And you can find that in his attitude towards them. Uh, he has concern for them. Uh, he wants to see them again. So oftentimes, as you make an observation, see, does, does my kind of assumption of what's going on, does that happen repeatedly in this passage? You can see that it, that does. There's this idea of that he, he has a connection to them. You can see that in verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. So he just couldn't wait to hear how they were doing. Shows he cared. Verse 25. I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your, menis- and your messenger and minister to my need. That idea, he wants to send this person to them that, that can really help them and be a blessing. The second observation, he's sending two men to them, Timothy and Epaphroditus, that he deeply appreciates and admires, which kind of links to the first one. If you really care for somebody and you're going to send a messenger, you want to send your best messenger, the person who's going to get there, the person who's going to deliver the message. So there's this picture of he admires and appreciates these two men that are going for him on his behalf. And he says a couple things about each guy. For Timothy, um, he admires certain things. Verse 20. I have no one else like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. So I have no one else like him. He's genuinely concerned for you. Verse 21. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So there's this idea of Timothy. Many people can choose to please themselves, but he wants to please Jesus Christ. Not like the other people who just go off on their own. Verse 23. 22, but you know, Timothy's proven worth. So this observation happening. Okay. He's saying he's basically building a case. Timothy's going to take care of you. And why will Timothy take care of you? Because I want to make sure I take care of you ultimately because God wants to take care of you. Then he says a few things about Epaphroditus. Verse 25, Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, not just a worker, but a brother. There's a kinship that they have. And not just a brother, but a soldier. There's the idea they've been to battles before. They have a history. They've gone to bat for each other. They have this link and this tie. And he's sending them to this church, this new church that just needs all the help. In verse 30, Epaphroditus, he's risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Paul's saying, you know, I've been in prison and there's all sorts of things that could have happened that can't happen because I'm in chains. But Epaphroditus has picked up the slack. He's making sure that the mission continues, the mission goes forward. 
Now you may think to yourself, if I could have observation on CD every time and it just tells me what it is, it'd be a lot easier. And that's true. But the picture of this, of observing, is, is like a miner, okay, who's mining for like precious jewels. That's how you'd have to approach the scriptures, an attitude where you realize there's some things beneath the surface that you actually have to kind of crack to get to. You have to kind of beat that rock down so you can see the jewels underneath it. It's very difficult in this age of technology to actually have to work for something, right? We want it instantly. You open the internet and it loads. You open the Bible, not loading, not loading, not loading, and it can feel like dial-up, and it's just not there. You actually have to mine for it, like the jewels that can give you help. You have to work for it. So the third thing from the observation he, is he, he says, okay, I, I deeply care for you. I'm sending these men who I deeply care for as well. And then the third thing, he, he gives them a challenge and an encouragement. He says, honor such men. So he's saying that oh, these men are coming to help you. But the overall thing you need to do as they do it is you need to make sure you honor them. You need to make heroes of men like this. So this is, that's the, the observation. So as you read that and as you kind of dig into those different verses and you kind of ask, okay, what's common themes that keep happening? What, what's jumping out? The next question, interpretation, well, what does this mean? Now, the easy answer just on the top of your head is like, yeah, you need people around you that love you. You could say that. Or it's good to have friends. You could say that. But as you really dig into all the things that you observed, it, there's actually a little bit more going on. And this is where you can ask God for help. What you see is that there's actually qualities that Paul is listing of a godly person. Because he's sending his two best men and he's saying, these are the men you should honor. These are the men that live a godly life. So what does it mean? Well, if you want to know what the, the, the godly life looks like or how to live in line with somebody that can be used to accomplish God's mission, like Timothy and Epaphroditus, here's some qualities about them that we can learn from. The first is that you find is that they're, they're unselfish. Both of them had a genuine concern for others. How do you know that? Well, they're willing to leave their comfort and convenience of their home to go help a new church. They're willing to do that. They're, they're unselfish. The second is they're, they're reliable. You see that in verse 22. They have a proven track record. And we know that because Paul told the church this. The third thing, another quality is they're, they're cooperative. They're, they're team players. That's the idea of the fellow soldier fellow brother, fellow worker. Not somebody that's just trying to do their own thing for their own sake, for their own name, but pulling in to help others. It's another quality. And the last is they're, they're courageous. It takes great courage for them to take this risk. And you see that in the description of Epaphroditus. He's, take, he's risking his life. He's risking his life to pull some of the slack and to tighten the relationships that are so crucial for this church to survive. Think about this. This church may not make it. The leader who started them is in prison. It may not happen. It may just not even pan out. It may be destroyed, but these men are, are risking their life to make sure it continues. And so that right there, just as you, what does it mean? Well, you see, okay, here's a picture of 
a godly person. So here right now, you're taking that observation and you're interpreting it. And then it goes to the third question. The application. What, what will I do about that? This is really, how does this impact you? How does it impact me? This happened a long time ago with people that we didn't know personally in a place that we don't currently live. But how could I take that and maybe live an aspect of it? And so possible uh, applications that you could have from this is you could ask some questions. And usually on application, it's good to just try to focus on what are one or two things that you could do. Just focus maybe on one thing that you could take from that passage and apply today or apply this week or work on this month. And so there are, there are a few things, and I don't know if you, as you kind of, have, we've unpacked that, if any stood out to you. But your own application, my own application, a lot of times the Holy Spirit speaks to you and it gives you the sense of this is what you should do. And so you want to be careful as you try to get into the scriptures and as you're making observation and as you're asking kind of what that means, you have to allow the, the Lord to lead you to what you need to do about it. And he does. He, he speaks. You get the sense of this is what I need to do. This is what I need to change. This is the attitude I need to choose. This is something I need to resist because it's not right. And that's what the Lord does. And so a few things uh, that you could kind of get from this that, that I got was... I need to be thinking through those, those qualities of a godly person. These are the people that, that are honored. And so, a couple things. Are there people in my life that I try to honor because they match this? Who are my heroes? That's another application. Who are, who are my heroes? Are my heroes the people that match the description of a godly person? Are my heroes like Timothy or Epaphroditus? And how can I honor those heroes? How could I try to encourage them? How could I get time around them? Because if I get time around the people that live these qualities, maybe I can learn from them. Maybe I can see how they choose and make decisions, how they handle pressure, how they treat their kids, how they treat their spouse, how they relate at their work. Maybe I can learn how this impacts their life so I could begin to live it out in my life. So that's an application. But looking at the list, you know, this past week at work, if I faced the problem, how, how cooperative was I with the people around me? How much of a team player? Did something change that I had planned and I wanted to go this way and it changed this way? How did I react? Did I have an attitude like, that's, that's fine, We're, we can make this happen? Or was it, you know, the plan was this, we need to stick to the plan. So all this stuff can kind of, you just want to see, okay, what's going on in my life right now that I can relate these aspects into it. And this takes time, and over time, as you do this more and more, you begin to just know how to listen to the Holy Spirit. You begin to get the sense of, man, God's really speaking to me through this, this passage, and you get more familiar with what to do. But no matter where you are, there's this aspect where you ask God for help and to show you things, stuff just, it comes to the surface. There's a handout I want to ask you just to look at really briefly that you'll see in your program. And it's a blank piece of paper that has some passages that you can choose 
and then the three questions to ask. For the rest of the time, you each have an assignment to do this, and you have to finish it in five. I'm just kidding. It's, it's making sure you're still awake. That's for you to use this, this week, this month. If you would just like to take some time to try this on your own and just see how it works, uh, we put some passages there that you can choose. Just choose one to start and ask those questions. And on that handout, just work that through. What can you observe? What is it saying? What, what does it mean? And then what can you do about it? And so I just want to encourage you, take some time this week to, to try that. And just try one. And if you get through one passage, go to another passage and see different passages, kind of what you can learn from that. And if you can start on the observation and then get to the interpretation, you want to make sure you have the time to get to the application. Because that's where it actually can begin to change you as you take steps, again, to get on the path and to stay on the path. And so I wanted to just give you that um, as a help. There's a couple other resources, too. Uh, one we've mentioned, uh, the Bare uh, Bones Bible Handbook. This is a really big help uh, if you're just trying to get more acquainted with the scriptures. Um, I encourage you, that, that would be a good resource. It's not that expensive. The Bare Bones Bible Handbook, um, you can find that on Amazon or a local Christian bookstore, but that, that could really help you. There's a, a couple other books, too. Uh, if you just like to kind of learn more about how to study the Bible, uh, there's a book by Howard Hendricks called Living by the Book that is really helpful, that gives you kind of this idea of how to get your, your handle on the Bible, how to unpack it, how to do more of these kinds of questions. And then there's another one called Bible Study Methods by Rick Warren. And these are 12 ways you can unlock God's Word. This is this idea of 12 different methods you can use to actually observe, interpret, and, and apply. And so these three are not the only way to do it. There's lots of different ways that you can begin to kind of chew on the Scriptures, understand it, and ultimately apply it. And so if you've never looked at those two resources and you'd like more info, please... Um, you know, check those out. And if you just would like help and you just realize that, you know, I don't really know how to read the Bible. I can open it. But I just, I feel like I just am starting way behind the pack here and I don't really know how to catch up. I don't know how to get on the path, let alone stay on it. And so if, if you just like help, uh, let us know on your connection card on the, the space there at the bottom. If you want to put uh, just, I would like help on how to read the Bible. Uh, we would like to provide you that and provide you some resources and just some, some coaching as well, as you try to kind of implement this training regimen for your own life. And so, really, I just want to leave with this idea of, do you want to be trained? Do you want to allow the Bible to get you in the spiritual shape that God wants you to be in? And if you do, God will provide you the help to do that. And so I want to encourage you, take some time to think through that. Do you want to get trained by the Bible and allow God to use that to and so there's one other scripture I want to close with, which is just kind of, I guess, the summary of this series. And it's Romans 15:4. It says this, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. It's called, this is what the scriptures do. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And so if you do decide, okay, I, I need to get trained by the scriptures. I need to allow them to, to speak to me. I need to get under them. There's two things. You get encouragement and you get endurance. And ultimately, you get hope. And so I want to encourage you, no matter where you are, take a step today. And I'm going to pray as the band comes up. Um, 
right before I pray, there's one other thing. On your connection card, if you want to, guys want to pull that out, and you can finish filling that out before the offering is received. Uh, there's a space where you can mark the next steps that I'm going to give you real quick. I've kind of mentioned them, but you can actually mark those on. That's your way of saying, this week I want to do this. And so the first thing is you may want to read the passage, uh, those passages on that handout that I referred to. If you'd like to do that, check that. That lets us know, and we, we'd love to pray for you this week as you do that. Uh, the second is um, we're going to be offering a seminar in the summer on how to get into the Bible and dig a little bit deeper into this. And if you're interested in that, there's going to be one in this area in the summer. Mark that, and we'll make sure you get notified of when that is. And then the last step is we want to just pray for you this week if you're inviting family and friends. And so if you're planning on inviting somebody to our Easter services next week, you can mark that. You can put their name on there, and we'd love to pray for them as well. And so we look forward to next week and celebrating Easter together. So finish filling that out. As I'm done praying, we're going to sing another song. We're going to receive our offering. and You can drop that connection card in there. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word that provides, like your scriptures say, that the encouragement, endurance, and instruction that actually gives us hope. And I know it's so easy to, to feel uh, hopeless at times, like we can't change or that the people around us can't change, our circumstances can't change. And ultimately, it can be just filled with discouragement and disillusionment. But God, through your word, you actually give us light in the darkness and you give us hope when things are hopeless. And so I ask that you will really make that real to us this week. Help us to find the time. Help us to overcome laziness. God, use the scriptures to help us to turn away from our sin. And God, we, we ask that you'll really change us through your word and through the power that you give us. And so we thank you for that in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.